Hey, so excited to be with you again. Uh, my name is Jeff Fuller. I'm the pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church, hopeforvermont.org, hopeforvermont.org. You can subscribe on YouTube, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, Living Hope Wesleyan Church on YouTube. And now all the podcast channels as Living Hope Wesleyan. So whether it's Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, you can uh, find us there at Living Hope Wesleyan. And I certainly believe people's stories make our stories better if we will just make the time to listen and learn what God has done in their lives so we can apply it to our lives and we can be better disciples of uh, of our Father. And uh, joining us now, one with a great story is Corey Williams. Corey, welcome in. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jeff. And so I just want to jump to it. You are the pastor at wearehopecity.cc down in Savannah, Georgia. So I just wanted to say, First of all, I'm not wearing this hat because I want to be cool, hip, or woke. <laughs> I, I'm just up here in Vermont, and we have a winter weather advisory coming later today, so it's a little bit chilly where I am. But uh, talk to me. What's Savannah, Georgia like? Oh, um, it's well, Number one, it's a great city to relax and vacation for sure. Um, so I definitely love my city. Moved here, matter of fact, in January 2014 to launch what was formerly known as Impact Church, recently renamed our church over the past few weeks in the midst of this pandemic to Hope City Church. Um, like I said, we've been here now about seven years, this January actually, um, seven years, a few of us relocated from Jacksonville, Florida um, to launch this church 500 members later. We're still existing, we're still alive, and then COVID shows up and it challenged us to see if we wanted to keep on going. <laughs> and so my wife and I, um, she and I are here, our three kids, actually one kid still with us here in the house, two adult kids, one in college and one is married now. Um, but we just love our city, just love the opportunity to serve the people here in Savannah, watching a lot of people who are far away from God, know him, find freedom, discover their purpose and ultimately help them make a difference. Yeah, it's really exciting and uh, good to hear. Uh, I know for me, a benefit of COVID is just jumping online and meeting different pastors and Christians that share their story like yourself. And thank you again for making the time to do so. Um, I just want to ask you because Vermont, uh, well, every state I think changes every week, but what are you experiencing? Because we are a local church without a building. We outgrew our space. We were renting a local middle school and then COVID hit. So we've been strictly online since last March. What have you at Hope City been able to do, whether online, in person? How are you adjusting with these new regulations? Well, here's the interesting thing with us that I think will really make you smile real big here in a second. Um, so prior to COVID, back in March, we were we we outgrew our building that we were in at first, and we outgrew it about two years ago and relocated to a middle school. So our last service, we were meeting at Southwest Middle School here in Savannah. Um, so when COVID came, uh, we were no longer able to meet in the middle school. One good thing for us was that we still had what we called our annex building, yeah. where we used our meetings, rehearsals, and our first Wednesday night service that we did once a month. So we had a building still, but nothing big enough to accommodate, of course, 500 people. Um, um, at that point, either way it go, we were not able to meet anyway, but now that it, a lot of the restrictions have been lifted. We do meet about 50 of us at the Annex building to do a online live service. Again, we limit it to about 50 people. 
but just now we're actually in the process of looking for a larger facility because even when the school fully opens back up or our city fully opens back up, we won't be able to go back to the school. Um, and so we're actually in the process now trying to figure that out. So, so as of the past eight months, we started off everything online, 100% online. We shifted to that. And then we ultimately, a few months later, moved into where we allowed a group of people to meet at our annex, which we're still doing now. So we're like soul brothers uh, yes. working through this together absolutely. and uh, for each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so a mutual friend, I say that loosely, uh, I know Sean, he's not a good friend, but courage to lead.com. Sean Lovejoy, you've been able to uh, be a part of what they do with coaching. How important is it, whether during COVID, before COVID or after COVID, that local churches and Christians get get a coach or just get uh, insight from others? Yeah, I, I, I think it's critical. I would say for me, one of the primary reasons, of course, besides prayer and God himself, uh, if it wasn't for being a part of a coaching network um, and having a coach who I could reach out to, who's checking in on me to see how I'm doing, um, I don't think I really would have I think I would have made it through this, but I don't think we would have made it through as victorious as we're making it, making through it. I mean, 500 people, they're still connected. We're still growing as a church. Um, uh, so uh, finances is not the big measurement. Um, I tell people numbers don't tell the story. Numbers tell a story. Yeah. And so um, in the given arena that hasn't went down, that actually went up. So I think all the numbers that matter to measure are still healthy. Um, and so without the coach, I just think that I wouldn't have had the insight and the tools I needed. The Bible tells us in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. And so I think by virtue of having a coach, of course, my own team in-house, but but by having an outside coach, it gave me some eyes and some lenses and some perspectives that I would not have um, if I didn't have that coach. Now, to set this up, it might take a little while, so uh, please stick with me, but yeah. I think it's important that we share and I'm probably showing my cards, but I believe as Christians, we are supposed to live in such a way that people are compelled to know and understand God's love, forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, and his conviction. That being said, every two years, four years, as Americans, we have the right and the privilege to vote. So I think we live Jesus. When that election cycle comes around, we vote, but we continue to live Jesus before and after. And... For women, for us as minorities, that privilege has not always been available. And I think it's so important that we take advantage or make use of that privilege to vote. All that being said, with what's taking place now, what are you communicating with your congregation about how to live in these uncertain days? Well, you know, uh, I, and and you said it well. I I typically number one just to lay a foundation in this area here. I typically only publicly speak about politics during the election cycle. Once we vote for a president, whether I voted for him or her or not, um, once it's done, I'm done with it. I move on. I, I at that point, my responsibility is just to pray, you know, for the president, you know, the leaders our government and our nation. Uh, but when it's in a election cycle, I am pretty vocal um, in the in the voting process and not so far as telling people who to vote for, uh, but definitely number one to get out and vote. I, I, I This election, I did share who I voted for. I typically have no problem with that. I think this election was different to the point that I would no longer share 
Um, and and, and I, I may share who I vote for, but I won't be as outspoken when it comes to the signs in my yard. I, I, I typically don't mind having signs in my yards, but I think it's so divisive. Uh, it was so polarized this year that too many relationships were uh, severed because of how someone voted. And I tell people, people vote for different reasons. I don't even tell people, hey, even my congregation was, uh, well, is a, a, a pretty diverse church. It's Democrats and Republicans, if they're like myself, are independent. So we're very diverse. I never tell no one how to vote. I don't even get into the minutia of, of, of trying to say how Jesus would have voted. Because I personally, to be honest with you, I don't believe that Jesus would have voted. Um, and, and that's my humblest opinion. Um, the Bible tells us we're in the world, but not of the world. Um, I think we can engage in the world as much as possible, um, as much as legally right, as much as our government and our particular nation gives us. Every nation is different. Every country is different. Every people, everybody doesn't belong to a nation where they vote. Everyone doesn't belong to a nation where they have a right to vote. So to assume that Jesus would automatically vote, um, I think it's pretty uh, uh far-fetched of us to think that if he would have voted and if he would have been a part of part of the political process i don't believe he would have took sides if we go throughout scriptures they always tried to get jesus to take sides yeah. um, but jesus was always aggressively in the middle i can show you scriptures where I can show you where Jesus was blue. I can show you scriptures where Jesus was red. <laughs> I can show you Jesus where I truly believe that Jesus was a socialist, you know, um, and I can show you scriptures where I can show you where he wasn't a socialist. So my point is we all can find verses of scriptures to make Jesus blue and to make Jesus red. Um, I don't think Jesus was left or right. I think he was aggressively in the middle. I don't believe that Jesus would have walked around wearing uh, 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 God bless Jerusalem t-shirts. <laughs> um, I don't believe he would have worn those shirts. You know, scripture is clear. God so loved the world. And I think if Jesus was to narrow it down to, I so love Jerusalem, I so love America, it would have been so narrow and it would have been offensive in a sense to other nations, to the other people that he came to save. Yes, he used Israel as the, as the tool to get us into the whole world. Um, but at the end of the day, it was John 3, 16, God so loved the world. Now there's no longer male nor female, Jew nor Gentile. So uh, I just encourage people to 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 vote their conscience, vote for what matters the most to them. Uh, of course, I want just to quickly say here, I don't, um, and if it's okay for me to share, um, I, 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 um, I personally am against abortion. Um, I'm personally against um homosexuality. Uh, but one would ask me, well, then why did you vote for Joe Biden this time around? Um, and for me, it wasn't about uh, those those two particular causes this election. It was more so about who could God use in these next four years to calm the rhetoric down, to 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 bring us to, to a level of peace, a uh, unity. I don't think neither one can totally fix it, but I do believe, uh, and that's just a little piece of the rationale, but I just think that uh, this person I voted for this term had nothing to do with you know their values when it came to those two particular things, because if the reality is clear, um, abortion has not went down over the past four years. If you go back and look at the stats in different states, abortion has been pretty much the same under a Republican administration. So voting for a president has more to do uh, 
uh, with those two things. And a lot of that stuff falls under state state laws and sure. state mandates. And people will look at that. Again, Corey Williams, pastor at wearehopecity.cc. Wearehopecity.cc. And I just love the fact you brought out about Jesus, how his will, his passion was to do the will of the Father, which was to seek and save the lost. Yeah. So not a party, not a country, but just to live in such a way that people just knew him and knew him well. And uh, one thing that you mentioned being a diverse church, I would say for Vermont, our church is very diverse with people from different backgrounds just being a part and it's funny because people say you need to be more uh, racially diverse in Vermont. And we do, but since we don't have any uh, races to be diverse in Vermont, we just need to include the Vermont rednecks or those flatlanders that moved in. But whenever you have a diverse church, you always have diverse opinions. So I was just sharing with a friend that when we were meeting, it was awesome to say that we have people from so many different backgrounds. But now, specifically after the election, we have so many opinions regarding the election. How are you as a pastor uniting the focus to be on Jesus and to be on or about his mission? You know, um, I, I, I never want, I don't, I'm totally against anyone using God's pulpit to talk about politics. I, I, I mean, does the topic come up? Yes. I, I think like any topic comes up as point of references and examples, they come up. But I think when we take politics and put it in the pulpits, it becomes, in many cases, propaganda. And a lot of that that propaganda is based on our personal bent and views. And I, th I think in this, particularly in this hour, there's no space in God's pulpit for us to push American politics. Uh, I know it's a debate about whether we're moving into nationalism and things like that. I mean, you, you just got to look at it. It speaks for itself. I mean, we, 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 a lot of our language, I watch sermons now and I'm excited to get ready to watch their online service. And I sit there five and 10 minutes. I'm like, we're we talking about Jesus or we're we talking about the president, you know? And I'm like, okay, I, I come to hear Jesus and I feel like I'm in a, a, a political service here. And I think it's a waste of time to use God's pulpit um, for an hour to to talk about politics. You know, um, can there be moments and segments that we do that? Absolutely. Uh, in a small group, maybe. <laughs> uh, but to try to win the loss, uh, he said, love and kindness have I drawn you. And uh, Jeff, some of the stuff I'm hearing from guys, it's not the love of Jesus. It, it wouldn't have drew me, but what it is drawing when you do this, and this is on politics or any subject matter, what it does is it does draw people who already think like you. Yeah. And, and, and so, and those people love it. And the more you build that, as we say, base, as you build that as your core, as your church, then those people expect that and they're okay with that. And there's no one there to challenge, hey, why are we doing this? And so therefore you have an echo chamber of everyone's okay with that. And there's no one like a coach or a spiritual father to pull you to the side and say, hey, this this is not good. You're, you're, you're narrowing down what Jesus came to do and limiting this to more so of a, a political conversation that is exciting a core group of people who already think like you, you know, and it's just dangerous. I, I, I try to stay away from that in the pulpit 
I don't mind having a small group, you know, who'll circle around that where a lot of us want to talk about that. But on Sunday morning, I'll hit it for a second. Uh, but I try to hit it in a way where where it 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 gets people to think and not tell them what to do. It's like, hmm, he dropped that nugget on me. What am I gonna do with with what he just said? You know. Corey, where did you grow up? Well, I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida. So um, I'll tell my age, I'm 43 years old. I was born and raised in Jacksonville for the most part. I relocated to Miami, Florida in about 93 to finish high school and then moved back to Jacksonville in 96. Was there all the way up until about seven years and then I moved here to Savannah. So uh, I, I'm a Southerner to a great degree, uh, but I lived in the city for a great while as well. So yeah. <laughs> What was your family structure? When were you first introduced to the truth of Jesus? Was uh, it your parents or was it something else that brought you that way? Yeah, so I, um, my, my upbringing was not a Christian faith. Uh, I grew up in a lot of, I grew up in poverty, number one. So I, I grew up in a lot of drugs, abuse, physical abuse. My mom physically fought my grandmother. My aunts physically fought my grandmother, my siblings physically fought my mom and my cousins did the same thing. That was drugs, abuse, poverty. I can recall days where uh, the dope dealer, if you would, the drug man, if you would, you know, would come to our house and knock on our door for one of my uncles and my grandmother have to pull the gun out. Uh, uh, you can do the numbers of what we all slept at, but about 15 or 16 of us in a three bedroom house, you figure out where we all slept at. <laughs> and so that was my environment. That was my upbringing for the most part in Jacksonville. And I'm about three years, I moved to Miami and moved in with my uh, grandmother who introduced me to a whole nother side of culture and working and ethics and things like that, that caused me to say, hmm, I want this type of lifestyle. Uh, but none of that, for the most part, it was a Christian faith. My grandmother did, you know, have a Methodist background. We went to church to some degree, but my Christian faith really didn't happen until I moved back to Jacksonville in 96. Um, I uh, got saved in February 97. And from there is where my Christian journey started at, in a Southern Baptist church. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting the journey that God takes us on and leads us through. Um, as far as a father figure, did you have a dad involved in your life? Was it a coach? Who kind of filled those roles when you were growing up? Um, no, um, my dad was there. Um, I don't recall too much until when I moved to Miami in 93 with my grandmother because I initially moved to Miami to move with him. But there was a disagreement between uh, myself and his current wife at the time uh, that caused me to decide that I want to go back to Jacksonville. When my grandmother got wind of that. She said, no, you're not going back to Jacksonville. You're not going back back to that environment. So I ended up moving in with her and she got me back on course and things like that. So I, at that point, I, I was in connection with my dad. We have a great relationship now, even more so. But then he and I did have a relationship um, um, that has grown and developed even the more so since, you know, that moment. So what were your uh, loves, your hobbies? And I always laugh because people are like, oh, you're 
stereotyping if I ask if it's music or if it's sports. Uh, but I always get, well, Jeff, do you know martial arts? Or, Jeff, you don't even have an accent. And I'm like, I was adopted when I was like eight months old. Like, I grew up here in Vermont. I'm not going to have an accent. I'm not, I know how to chop wood. I don't, I don't have to know martial arts. But all, right. that, all that being said, what were your hobbies growing up? So I was very introverted. I, this conversation here would have never took place because up until about 21 years, I stuttered real bad. I was a, I was a severe stutter um, to the point that I took classes and courses where the headsets on your head right now wasn't because I was trying to hear this conversation. I had the headsets on to help me slow down and help me speak. Uh, but it just did me no good. When I say severe, it was... Jeff, if we so so to go back to hobbies, I really didn't have any hobbies because I had no friends. I was very um, introverted. I would go to school and come home, and I'm in the room. Uh, but I really didn't have any hobbies per se. Um, I love to read, if that's one thing. But it wasn't a hobby at that time. More is more of a hobby now, probably. Uh, but I really didn't have any hobbies my goal then was just to be able to get home and survive and not be picked at and not you know not to be poked at so i honestly don't have any fond memories as a kid of 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 any hobbies so when you look back at those days everybody says like oh god use that pain how did god use that pain in your life yeah so for me when i look at it been older when I look at the mere fact that I stuttered and that my when I look at my siblings and the things that they got involved in the drugs, the abuse and uh, just a lot of negative things that they got into. It took 97 and 98 and 2020 for me to realize that what was a handicap for me, if you would, really was a shelter because I'm confident that if I if I wasn't extroverted, um, that I would have been involved in the drugs, in the various activities that they were involved in. And I don't believe that I would be in ministry right now. I don't believe that that I would have the lifestyle that I have right now. I don't believe that I would have the morals that I have right now um, because I would have been so engrossed in that lifestyle. Now, could Jesus have saved me? Yes, he could out of that. But just looking at the way my pattern went, I'm confident that I would have did a lot of the things that they had um, actually done. So I really believe that it, it it sheltered me for the purpose of getting saved in February of 97 to find Christ three years later to lose my stutter after being saved um, and becoming a preacher, if you would, for such a time as this, I'm not trying to be deep. So I believe for me, it was a shelter. It was like a, 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 a Abraham, I think it was, who who was hidden. Uh, um, and yeah, that's the only way I look at it now that, man, if, if I was not, um, if, if my stutter was not there, I think I really would have been a bad boy. <laughs> Hey, Corey, if you would, talk to me a little bit about uh, pastoring with your wife. Uh, I know for myself, I think it's good. Sometimes I wish my wife was more involved, but she works full time. She loves being behind the scenes and she's always helpful uh, with church things in ministry. But she prefers to be behind the scenes. And sometimes I like that because, you know, if we fight uh, at home, at least I'm the only one. Uh, in front of the camera on Sunday morning and she's not there shaking her head at me. 
How is it pastoring with your wife when you guys are co-laborers, but you're also married and you're trying to exemplify who Jesus is and what he calls out of us and from us within that marriage context? Yeah. Um, it can be one of the most difficult. <laughs> it can be one of the most difficult um, things ever. Uh, one good thing for us, though, number one, uh, the opposite of your case, my wife loves to she not that she loves to be in the front just to be in the front but i think she's called to be in the front so she she's just as 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 upfront as i am she's a dynamic teacher speaker preacher um she loves to speak she loves to pray um i do believe she's called for upfront ministry she'll say that as well however like your wife um she is uh she does have a full-time drop job she's a school teacher um, um she's a, a middle school teacher and so um, it does make it difficult for her to be involved as much as she would like to in the everyday everyday activity of it. Uh, but when it comes to the congregation's um, um, uh, view of her and her involvement, she does ensure that she's heavily involved, particularly in the area of prayer, particularly in her attendance in you know in church service, particularly when it comes to opportunities to minister to preach. Um, she does take advantage of those opportunities. But when it comes to the executive everyday work where she is on the executive team but when it comes to being able to be involved in the minutiae of it she's definitely not able to um, it is her desire it is my desire for her to be able to do that at some point here um, but at this season in ministry um yes yeah, she she she's definitely not where she would love to be at when it comes to being in the full-time ministry Corey, thanks again for uh, making time. We have a couple questions, and we'll uh, get you out. But uh, thank you so much. It's just remarkable to see how God is uniting hearts with his disciples, with his followers all over the world, and the fact that we can walk together and go after Jesus in hopes of leading others to that same grace. It's just a remarkable responsibility, but just um, I feel so fortunate as well. That being said, I'm about to turn 46 uh, in February. Uh, you just mentioned that you're 43. Um, we aren't young anymore, but I definitely don't think we're old. Uh, what, what passion still drives you knowing that you aren't looked at as that, oh, young leader, just full of passion? But you've kind of found yourself and you know where God is trying to take you to take others. Where is your passion in vocational ministry? Yeah, leadership. Um, I, I, I have a strong passion for leadership development and leadership coaching, particularly in this season here, being a church that has been uh, displaced, if you would, uh, when it comes to our church. I tell people, there's a lot of people who have buildings and so they have something to go back to. We don't. Uh, but even in this, God has given me what I believe a model on our re-entry, a model on how we will reinvent ourselves, which is part of going from Impact Church to Hope City Church. A part of that has to do with the way that we're going to re-enter um, church, not just this year and next year, but the future of church. I believe that COVID and what we've been experiencing over the past um, eight to 10 months that's about to be a master reset, if you would, in how we have done ministry over the past 10 and 20 years. And it's not a bad thing. It, it just is what it is. Every 10 to 20 years in almost anything in business and you know, in academic, 
academia, there's always a, 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 a change that takes place to reset us for the next 20 to 30 years. And I believe what has happened over the past 10 months, everything is being reset, whether it's in churches, whether it's in business, whether it's in, um, in entertainment, education, the model has been shifted. And so the past eight months and, and the next 12 months and maybe the next 24 months, the new model has been reestablished that we will use for the next 10, 20 and 30 years. And I believe what we're doing at Hope City Church, what I'll be doing as it relates to um, developing coaching and resources for churches over the next few months will be resources to have churches for years to come. And so uh, my big passion right now, uh, and it's been that way for years now, but I think it's now is fortified that, you know, to be able to coach and develop leaders and their teams. Uh, and I, I just love working with teams and I love working with leaders. Yeah, I think that's so good. Um, I know for us, we were Living Hope Wesleyan Fellowship Church, mm -hmm. a giant name for a tiny country church. So we just shortened it with Living Hope. Okay. Uh, for you, explain the name change impact to We Are Hope City. Why did you make that change and how has it been received? Uh, so we, um, uh, I've, I've been a part of a larger organization, uh, if you would, called Impact Church of Jacksonville. So when I launched our church back in January 2014, I was a part of, again, about 10 or 12 churches. Um, that was called Impact Church. Now, the difference between our Impact Church here in Savannah was that we were planted through an organization called ARC, Association of Related Churches. A, um, and so we were launched through them. Uh, but I, my spiritual father, my pastor in Jacksonville, uh, he launched what we call Impact Churches. And so though I was launched through ARC, I adopted the name of our home church, Impact Church. Fast forward seven years later, fast forward to what's happening with the COVID, fast forward to visions and desires that God has placed in my heart to plant other campuses and other churches. God just began to deal with me as it relates to the future of what was impact or, or what was called impact church, what the future of our assignment and our purpose was looking like. And it was really to make a difference here, not just in Savannah, but around the world through our church, as well as through other churches. So Hope City, our, our name went from impact church to Hope City Church to give us a more um, um, personal autonomy. Uh, we did have our own autonomy to a great degree with Impact Church of Jacksonville, uh, but it wasn't a full autonomy as it relates to changes that we want to make now without having to go through a certain process to make those changes. And so uh, now through Hope City Church is our vision to be uh, um, one church in multiple locations here in Savannah. Uh, 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 Savannah is about 280,000 people, 80,000 people. Uh, it's a huge county. Um, and so it's a really a big city within one sense. Um, and the amount of people and the amount of diversity, I believe that what our church has to offer is attractive to all types of people. And so um, uh, I'm just excited about the opportunity for us to bring hope in all parts of Savannah through the community churches that we're calling Hope City Church. That's really good. And uh, Corey, thanks again for making the time. We'll get you out. A couple uh, questions, real yeah. talk. You just mentioned you have a 16-year-old daughter. I have a 17-year-old daughter. 
Parenting, being a dad, there's nothing like it, but some days there's nothing like it. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about your daughter specifically, your 16-year-old, still at home, uh, school, COVID, uh, everything that's taken place. How are you growing as a father knowing that you need to invest so much in such a small amount of time into your daughter that's still at home? Yeah, most definitely. And particularly this this last year, of, I don't even like hearing that next year she's a senior. And I'm like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's strange. It's like she's about to be gone. You, you, and so now for me, it's more so trying to enjoy as much of this next year and a half, because when she's gone and she's ready to go too, not in a negative way. Um, but she's ready to experience, you know, what it means to go away to school and go away to college. But I do realize with this last year and a half, uh, particularly being that COVID has forced her to be in the house and to be homeschooled, if you would, um, over the past eight months, uh, it's been interesting to watch, um, to watch her. She actually, matter of fact, goes to a school of the arts here in Savannah for dance. And so to kind of watch her just evolve and just watch her to learn her Though she's not learning on her own, she's working on her own to a great degree versus being at the school and to kind of watch her be self-sufficient is kind of encouraging because it tells me that, man, if you can do this now without the teachers in your face, uh, you're probably going to do pretty good once you go to the college that you actually choose. And so she's working and all that good stuff now. Um, I have to I'm doing more work duty or drop off duties than I've ever done before over the past six to seven um, months. And so it's interesting to watch. I'm enjoying it. Um, but, you know, uh, we had an opportunity about two weeks ago to be home alone, me and the wife. And she was like, this is how it's going to be. <laughs> When there's no one in the house, it's going to be like this. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> but at the same token, like I said, I'm definitely going to miss it. But at the same token, it's just that natural progression of life. And I think we, we did well on raising her. So I don't think it's no no major. Oh, uh, no, not now. We sense the time is coming, you know, uh, and it's OK. Yeah, so too. My son is a freshman in college out in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's where my wife is from. And my daughter, she's been working. She just got her uh, driver's license. So the other day I was like, Jay, do you need anything? Do you need gas in the car? She's like, no, I just put gas in the car and uh, I have my paycheck for my job, so I don't need anything. And I'm like, you don't need me anymore? Like, well, but I think uh, we're raising adults. We are right, raising right. children. And that's that's what we need to remember. Hey, Corey, I'll get you out on this. Uh, well, two things. First is, spiritually, how can we pray for you, pray for uh, the church that you're leading, pastoring? And then the second is more of a fun question. If or when the uh, feature film is made about your life, who plays you in that feature film? So first of all, we'll do the uh, spiritual question. How can we be praying for you, your wife, family, and local church during this time? Well, of course, you know, for the church wise, we're looking for a more sufficient, adequate location. So I definitely say, you know, I pray for our location um, and, and definitely pray for the larger vision of since we went through the name change, pray for the larger vision of Hope City Church that we um, are able to not only uh, plant the local community churches here throughout Savannah, but we are able to find the right leaders uh, to be over those community um, churches, if you would. Um, so far as the um, um, 
the who would play me. Uh, yeah, who plays you in that feature film? But while you think about it, everybody's tired of me sharing, but you haven't heard unless you've been listening to the podcast. So I always share that because we look so much alike, I want Dwayne The Rock Johnson to play me in that feature film. Uh, who say you for your... For I'm going I'm I'm to say Will Smith. There you go. I'm going to say Will That's Smith. A good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Will Corey, Smith will be the one. Corey, thank you so much for making the time. We'll definitely be praying for you and those at wearehopecity.cc. You can find information there. You can go and uh, watch the stream. Follow Corey on Instagram, Corey Williams TV on Instagram. And uh, Corey, we just thank you for following Jesus and leading others that way. And uh, thank you again. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jeff. And again, Corey Williams, making some time. My name is Jeff Fuller, pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church, hopeforvermont.org. The YouTube channel is Living Hope Wesleyan Church. And now on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, it is Living Hope Wesleyan. So whether you vote for him, her, this party, that party, once we vote, we did our duty. So let's just continue to live that others might find and know Jesus. So with that being said, Jesus, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that we were created for such a time as this. May we follow you, go after you, live you, love you. And without judging others, just share your truth and your hope, your peace, freedom, healing with them and with us. We thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Which simply means, God, let it be done. <laughs>